What is the cloud? It's not just high in the sky anymore. SAP presents In the Cloud with Game Changers with your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Are you in the cloud yet? If you are, do you know how to maximize its potential? Get ready for an hour of innovations and innovators who will explain how they are using the cloud. Find out how to make it work for you or work more effectively for you. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And here's our question of the day. Is your company culture social yet? I have news for you. It's the new game changer in business, and we hope you're not missing out. Let's hear what our experts are going to be talking about today. Dr. Natalie Petoff, I get to call her Dr. Natalie. Dr. Natalie asked this question. What if your CEO said... I don't want employees talking to each other. I want people to work by themselves. I don't want them to collaborate. I don't care what customers say. We should not take feedback from employees or customers. That's how we'll beat the competition. Well, if they're saying it, many businesses are explicitly running that way, and we're going to talk to Dr. Nat about that in a few minutes. Brent Leary, our CRM specialist, says, quote, successful companies are leveraging social tools and processes throughout the entire organization, not just in marketing and promotion. Words to the wise, we'll be hearing from Brent soon. Heather Davis, new to the show, says, having a defined strategy and clear metrics in place is vital to realizing the business benefits of deploying social collaboration tools in the workplace. Heather will join us in a moment. And Samir Patel says, social business, forgot about the business part. Very telling words, and we'll ask him to explain why. You're going to hear a lot more insights from my expert panel today here on In the Cloud as we tackle the topic, social enterprise, new collaborative business culture in the cloud. I am Bonnie D. Graham. This is In the Cloud with Game Changers, and you're in the right place. Stick with us for the next hour. You're going to hear a lot and learn a lot. Now let's welcome my special guests. I'll do a quick introduction. You'll hear their voices, and then we're going to take a deep dive into what you just heard about their quotes. Dr. Natalie, social business strategist, analyst, consultant. She's also an instructor at UCLA and USC, and she provides unique business perspectives on how to apply social media to business. Welcome, Dr. Dr. Natalie, how are you today? I'm fabulous, Bonnie. How are you? Delighted to have you back. Just delighted. It's been a couple months, and we just can't, couldn't wait to get you back on the air. And I think this is your first time on the cloud show. So I'm very excited, Natalie, and we're going to get to you in just a minute. And let's bring on the person sitting somewhere in the vast, vast uh, <laughs> radio sphere next to you, sitting next to you figuratively, Brent Leary, CRM industry analyst, advisor, author, speaker, blogger. Brent, your business card must be too big to carry. He's a co-founder and partner of CRM LLC. He's a co-author of Barack 2.0, and you know who Barack is, Social Media Lessons for Small Business. Welcome, Brent. How are you? I'm glad to be back, Bonnie. This is great. Wonderful. And you've got your own successful new radio show, another one in Atlanta. We'll be talking about that later. Heather Davis, new to the show. Heather is a VP of National Accounts at Optimal Solutions, responsible for strategic sales and operations with large enterprise clients and large channel partners. Welcome to In the Cloud, Heather. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Wonderful. We're delighted. And Samir Patel, GM, Global VP for SAP's Enterprise Social Software Business. Samir leads Project Robus. We'll find out about that SAP Next Generation Social Software Products. Hello, Samir. How are you today? Excellent, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. 
Wonderful. Delighted. We have a great panel. Let's just do a, a deep dive, as I said. Dr. Natalie, let's talk about your quote. I'm not going to read it all again, but are there really CEOs who say everybody should be isolated and stay apart and not collaborate? Could that possibly be true? It's 2012. Talk to me. Well, here's the thing, is that the way that corporate America got structured, for the most part, it got structured kind of in a command and control kind of situation. We have one person at the top who makes the decisions, and everybody marches to those orders. And that's, you know, when you're going to battle in war, that's very important to have leadership like that. Mm-hmm. But what's really happening in corporate America is that kind of leadership style is the, has been driven into corporate structure. And so I can remember 20, 30 years ago when I worked in the auto industry, and I remember getting feedback, and they said, why are you giving us feedback? We're really not interested. We know better. So that, as a junior engineer, left a really big impression on me. And mm-hmm. at the time, I was working on the line in an assembly plant, and I was listening to the workers, and they were saying, no, no, you know, the reason that this is falling apart, you know, down the line is because we're not doing this right. And what the big question I had was, why aren't we listening to the people on the line? It, it just didn't make any sense to me. And I think that while some of the statements I made are somewhat seem obnoxious and seem sarcastic, the unspoken conversation in companies is fly below the radar don't stick out. If you share, mm-hmm. you know, I think sharing is caring, but if you really start to share what's not working, then you become the target and the problem. And um, so I think inadvertently what we're saying subconsciously or through not really rewarding uh, internal innovation and internal feedback, um, we're basically saying that we don't care. And I think employees need to feel wanted and respected and that their voice matters. And, you know, the new kind of collaboration that's happening in corporate America is, you know, there's fewer lines between upper management mm-hmm. and lower management, and people are being able to express how they feel and the feedback is taken seriously. And I think, you know, there's such a – people feel so disenfranchised about their work because they don't feel like they're making a difference. And That's right. So you're just you're not getting the productivity, and inadvertently, and if with CEOs could actually understand this point, I think that they would change their management style. But I don't think they don't know what they don't know, honestly, Bonnie. Dr. Natalie, they're going to be listening today, and they're going to learn from you and the other panelists. Let's turn to Brent Leary. Brent, successful companies are leveraging social tools throughout the entire organization, not just marketing and promotions. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think it's really important that uh, a lot of companies started with social, looking at it from a marketing and branding and exposure perspective and promotional perspective, which I think it's a natural thing to do because it it is a way to get your thoughts out there, get viral, get a lot of people, you know, interacting with you. And so I I think there's that sole focus of looking at social as a one thing, as a one-off for a one specific reason uh, to, to really try it out. And so um, the companies that have been more successful, the most successful companies, I think, are the ones that maybe they started out like that, but then they started realizing, hey, you know what, this stuff works for, for more than just the one thing that we, we wanted it to work for. And then when they started trying it in other areas like internal collaboration 
or the better kinds of responses or, or uh, engagement with customers, or looking at it from maybe we can find employees based on what they're saying online that will be a better fit and you know, less expensive way to find the right fit. So they started branching out with their experience with social and using it in other areas, and they found out, well, you know what, this really helps the overall organization as well. And so you're seeing more and more companies, once they get their feet wet with it, maybe from that initial standpoint of marketing or, or promotion, but then reaching out and seeing how it can impact customer service or how it can impact the collaboration between the sales team and the marketing team and the service team, or being able to find better product ideas because they're able to listen to what's being said by customers and potential customers, and it feeds into the product service cycle loop, you're starting to see, wow, this stuff really works, and it really impacts the overall organization. So I think companies that are willing to look at it for more than just the one thing, they're Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of benefits, and on the other end of it, it actually impacts that one thing even more that they started out with. So I think that's why uh, you're seeing more and more emphasis being put on how can you leverage social throughout the organization because there are some really great positive effects on the customer. Thank you, Brent. Good point. I knew you were going to go there because of your CRM background. Heather Davis, you're talking about a defined strategy and clear metrics in order to understand the business benefits of these social collaboration tools. What kind of a strategy do you think? Does it come from from uh, the ground up? Does it come from the top down? And that one of, one of Dr. Natalie's concerns is, is are we doing old-fashioned top-down management? And what kind of metrics? Just give us a little taste of what you're thinking. Well, I think you have to start by, you know, asking how can collaboration tools enable your employees to meet or achieve their business objectives and then move into how can they make you more operationally efficient. Brent mentioned about the internal collaboration. I mean, running a, a large global sales organization, it is imperative uh, and vital that we have collaboration tools like this uh, to help us move forward. I mean, there's there's so many. We have over a 1,000 consultants and trying to keep – all the pieces of information that have to keep them going, whether it's where you need to be, where do you need to show up, uh, it's imperative to have a tool like that. Um, and Dr. Natalie had mentioned earlier, I think there's a certain amount of empowerment that you give folks. Uh, she mentioned being disenfranchised. I, I think that um, making them feel like their voice is being heard and, and giving them a, a forum to do that in is imperative. And I think now businesses are seeing that that's, uh, necessary to to move forward and be as efficient as possible. Thank you. We're going to dive a little deeper later in the show with you, Heather, on what you mean by the clear metrics. I'm very interested in that. Let's turn to our final panelist to get him on the air right now. Samir Patel, I love this. Social business forgot about the quote-unquote business part. Where? Where did they lose it somewhere along the way? Samir, talk to me. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think there's a couple of ways to look at this, and I think there were some really good points made by uh by uh, by Heather uh, Brent and um, and Natalie on how this is playing out, but I think there's you know there's a there's a fundamental sort of uh, uh, breakpoint I think um, where I might slightly disagree with Brent mm-hmm. uh, is that you know on the as far as sort of the uh, the drivers behind social on the marketing side and on the outside. You know, the business case was much clearer, right? You had a customer who normally, um, you know, the information arbitrage out there for them to know more about your products and services was largely controlled by you. Uh, thanks, you know, you being uh, the organization trying to sell something to them. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, with the social web, you know, we, the, that, that 
that arbitrage kind of went away, right? The connectivity, the level of connectivity that we have on the web as consumers, before we even let a company in on the fact that we're a potential prospect, we know so much about them. Mm-hmm. That, you know, by the time we even, you know, let them in on it, it's really the delta of information that we're looking for. And so at the edges of the organization, we did a really good job of quickly starting to embrace that. Um, and start to essentially, you know, do what we've been doing, which is using communities and engaging with them on social networks, wherever they may be. Uh, you know, it was a clear case, right? Customer became social. Well, you know, I better join those conversations uh, mm-hmm. uh, to start to understand what they are, help, you know, get there before my competitors do and, and define my value proposition before somebody else tries to do it uh, and really start to cater them. So I think there's a, there's a level of maturity that's come on the, you know, on the on the customer side. On the inside, though, you know, uh, it's it's there's there's a couple of ways of looking at this, and one is is I you know I think Natalie brought up some great points around um, where we might look at uh, you know you know getting organizations to be much more connected, have have you know take out some of the perception of layers, even though you know you you still have an org chart, but you start to flatten some of the communication inside organizations. I think those are all fair points, but. You know, when you, the fact of the matter though is, is that when you move away from, um, when you move away from, you know, some of the benefits around general purpose collaboration and sharing and productivity, which by the way, you know, no executive and no CEO will ever say they don't want. Obviously they want that. Mm-hmm. And you start to dig into the nine to five workday of, 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 of key constituencies in your organization. And you start to look at really, you know, uh, this sort of uh, vacuum between where they're actually doing work, systems, processes, data points, and things that actually get them the data that they need, uh, and the social network, if you will, the Facebook for the enterprise or whatever that's sort of disconnected from this world. You know, it, it starts to, you know, the, 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 the ability for these ways of work to actually start to become core to what you do from nine to five starts to fade away. And it moves to becoming essentially a global water cooler that you start to visit first at 10 a.m. and then maybe at noon and then maybe at 4.30 before you're about to, you know, end the day, right? Samir, I love that. You know what? You've just taken me to the water cooler called our first break, and I love a good segue. So thank you so much. That was absolutely elegant. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm having a great time talking about social enterprise. When we come back, we're going to talk about what does it mean? What kinds of tools are we talking about? And what is this virtual or not virtual water cooler since so many of us work at a distance from that hub we used to call the office the desk we're telecommuting but we're still part of a of an enterprise community we're also going to address how this impacts startups and mid-sized companies i'm speaking with dr natalie brent leary heather davis samir patel we'll be right back When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. 
Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. And we're back. We all took a very comfortable but two-minute very brief visit to the water cooler. And if you were on my other SAP Radio show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, I would have been asking everybody what you're drinking in your coffee cup today. But we don't do that in the cloud. We're just floating around here. So, Dr. Natalie, uh, we don't want to get into product descriptions or comparisons or what social tool is better. But you want to drop a couple of names here so our listeners know exactly. We've been keeping this very high level talking about collaboration, business culture, social enterprise, if somebody was listening, they came out of a rock, and they said, what are these people talking about? What would, how would you explain it to them? Well, I would say, so a lot of people kind of understand Facebook, right? And so they see, okay, people talking to people or people talking to brands. And so take that same idea and have employees talk to employees, employees talk to suppliers, Employees talk to bosses. Bosses talk to employees. Teams being in a more collaborative uh, manner. And so, you know, whether you use Yammer or whether you use, there's all kinds of workday. There's all kinds of different kinds of tools that you can use to mm-hmm. empower teams. Um, when I was working with one company, one of the things they used to do every year is they would fly in all their engineers from all over the world. And they'd have this big powwow, and everybody would get jazzed up. And then they would go away, and they would send emails. And after about a month, you could completely see the productivity drop off. But Mm. then when they started using internal collaboration tools, they would still do the come-together meeting. But then you saw engineers, uh, different pieces of the team, collaborate together, solve problems faster, interact, stay energized, create breakthroughs. And so what we're really looking at is an internal social network. So you're really looking at connecting employees to employees, employees to bosses, and then also you can create VIP rooms where maybe you're collaborating with your partners or your resellers or, you know, it really depends on who your stakeholder ecosystem is. But it's the Mm -hmm. idea of having the ability to interact with each other on an ongoing basis and so if you go, I mean, Bonnie, you and I have talked about this a hundred times. Here's the deal. Yep. Deming said, listen to your employees, listen to your customers, take right. the feedback, integrate it back into your company. That's, this, this is the more things change, the more they stay the same. And all we're right. talking about here is this idea of having a two-way conversation, having people who are doing the job understand 
that they are now valued and that uh, bosses want to hear. Now, that's a completely different relationship between boss and employee. And so while we can talk about tools, you're really looking at a culture change. And I don't think very many companies really are interested in employee feedback. They do the once-a-year survey and everybody. Right. I remember when I was at Hughes 100 years ago, the employee morale was very low, and they decorated the elevators. And then they could not understand why productivity fell even lower. Like, we don't want coffee cups. We don't want you to decorate the elevators. We want you to listen and care to what we're saying and take it seriously. And that's, at the end of the day, it's the best thing for the company. But bosses need to get it. Thank you, Dr. Natalie. Who else wants to jump in on this culture side? Please, Samir. I think I think Natalie's right. In you know, generally, that you know that that has pretty much defined how you know social networking in the enterprise has manifested itself in the last six years, right? But I would I would you know I would contend that we are, you know, and I've blogged about this a lot. Uh, that you know, I'm, I I think where we need to sort of you know look back and really it's more of a scorecard kind of thing. And one of the things here that I'm generally not a big fan of is, is again, you know, we we get we talk a lot about sort of the culture change required and you know the change required on people and the behavioral change, the behavioral change required. And you know, I my my thing is is we we that's that's fair to some degree. There's definitely culture and behavioral change required. But right. you know, have we gone far enough in terms of really understanding the connectivity between you know the connection between being better connected and the tasks that need to get done. And I just don't think that until we start to do that where, um, you know, I can move beyond the general purpose benefits of being more productive and sharing more and connecting better and starting to align that to my core performance objectives, that people will really, really start to use this, you know, in a fashion that doesn't make it a exception handling, right, where right. You know, I'm working an email and I'm working in my CRM systems or wherever, and it's just that I go here when I have a question in the water cooler and I leave, right? Right. Uh, it doesn't get – you don't see the sustainable advantage that comes from this uh, until you can start to bring, you know, data process, process, you know, content and collaboration and people together. And so, you know – it's time as an industry that we stop sort of, you know, just putting all the blame on, oh, my God, culture doesn't work and let's blame culture until we take a hard look at, you know, what we're actually proposing as the proposed benefits of this, right? Interesting. Um, I wa- ultimately, I we'll bring... still end up where, where, where Nat wants to land up. She's right. I just I... don't think the way to get there is to essentially take on massive behavioral change projects until you've actually made it, you know, obvious, right, on how this actually right. impacts what you are goal to do. Samir, I want to bring in Heather in this discussion because, Heather, uh, you mentioned metrics, and, and metrics say to me you think you have something or you have something to measure and you're ready to measure it. So let's take it in that direction. You want to chime in? Sure. It, you mentioned earlier, Bonnie, you know, is it top-down, is it bottom-up um, mm-hmm. from a strategy and metric standpoint? From a, from a strategy standpoint, I think there has to be some control and strategy in place. You know, how are we going to be leveraging these tools? What are the rules? I think in the past we've seen companies, uh, you know, these tools for collaboration can kind of take on a life of their own. Uh, you get different organizations within your company, you know, this team has their side and this team has their side and they're not really truly collaborating as a whole company. Um, so I think you need to have that structure. You need to have somebody almost like a governance uh, overseeing that and making sure that, that those are they're collaborating in, in the way that they need to. 
And from a metric standpoint, I mean, I, I think I can speak for the way that, that we're leveraging it. Um, you know, we kind of took a structured approach to what do we need to, um, what needs to get done? What needs to be completed? Um, what are the items, if you will, almost like a checklist that has to be completed? Um, I'm getting back to, you know, onboarding of consultants, but there are certain things that have to be in place. Uh, and if they're not, at the end of the day, you've got unhappy customers, unhappy clients, you have consultants who don't know what they're doing, or we haven't completed the proper work, uh, paperwork or, and legal documents to get them there. Um, so that, that's kind of how we've, how we've used it, um, and it's been working very successfully by kind of monitoring those, those uh, metrics and making sure that uh, we're hitting all those targets. Thank you. And, Brent, of course, we have to get your voice in here. What do you think? We've talked about a lot of things. I, I'm interested in what you think about the culture part. Do you agree? you disagree? No, I, I think uh, I, I agree, but I also uh, agree with what Samir said. I, I think there is the behavioral and cultural aspects of understanding uh, how this impacts those two pillars. But I also think it's about process, too, and, and knowing how to create the right kind of processes that work within those cultural changes so mm-hmm. that uh, everything fits. It's, it's not just one or the other, but if there's change, it's going to impact a lot of different aspects of the company, the culture, you know, the people, and the processes as well, and the customers. And so that's a lot of change that has to ripple through, and, and we're using these new tools. And in a lot of ways, companies are more reactionary than being proactive because the way the mm-hmm. customers are using them and the customers the way that they're doing things is such sped up now and, and their needs are changing quicker and they're wanting more things. And so that is really putting a lot of impact on the company to, to react to that. And so that's not just the cultural, which is incredibly important, but it's the processes that allow uh, for success and how to measure success. I mean, we're not just measuring the people, but we have to measure the success of the processes so that if you know, the culture isn't fitting or the processes aren't working or, you know, in some cases the people aren't working. We know where it is and we know what, how, what we need to change. So there's just a lot of stuff going on, and it's not just one aspect of, of a business that is going to be impacted. Yeah, but I think, okay. you know, I think just one thing, I think Heather nailed mm-hmm. it, right? Like the, the one, the, the she, she's right, like, because I think when we get into this conversation around metrics, you know, we would, we would typically start to look at very programmatic metrics on, you know, how big is my network and how many people are actually collaborating and how many people are doing stuff, which is no question at a program level important, but the, you know, where, where Heather talked about, you know, something that actually is really important and actually tangible, like, for example, consultant onboarding. And the the ability to sort of you know shave off a couple of weeks so that so that so that consultant mm-hmm. is billing faster, is 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 fundamentally I think something that we have to shift and shift from an industry standpoint where we're starting to not manufacture metrics, but starting to align known business objectives and business metrics and and have a frank discussion on where social can move the needle and where it can't. Uh, you know, and that's, that's a use case that, you know, we offer right now. That's one of, one of our hottest use cases. And we have a million paid subscribers right now on our stuff that is really around learning. And it gets people going up. I think that's, that's where we start to move process by process to Brent's point. And, and, so, and executives start Heather to again. Let me just add to that. Go ahead. Sure, um, Heather. You know, it's not so much the weeks that we shave off. Uh, yeah. It's the number of emails. We move from a, an, yeah. what I call an email workflow process, right, yeah. where literally sometimes for an, uh, onboarding a consultant, you can have 20 to 50 emails, uh, and now 
and not all the parties that are copied on all those emails have to receive every step of the way, but proactively I can go look. If I want to see the status of that, I can look. If I need to know the status, I have a way. The collaboration tool allows me to see that. Yep. Uh, and, and ultimately then you, ideally you could measure that in, in efficiency gained. Uh, yep. We haven't gone to that step yet, but it's made a hum- it's huge difference for us. Yeah, but that was great. You could take that to a manager, and a manager would get it. It means that you're transforming people, process, and technology. Right, so when I was at Hughes 100 years ago, they tried to institute teaming, which was a big change, and nobody got on board until we sat down and we said, do you want your action items done on time? Do you want people to come to meetings with their things done? And so the very first step of any culture change is to provide the business value, the return on investment for doing something different. And it has to be not some high pollutant giant calculation. It really has to look at, What's the business value? And then what processes do we have to change? What tools do we have to use? And then at the end of the day, it means that people have to do their, um, have to do their jobs differently. So in terms of, of looking at, uh, at, at looking at this, it's really, you know, and after 25 years of leading change in organizations, what I think stops or grows the ability to have this and I've said this before, is, you know, the, the fish thinks most of the time. If the executives don't lead this, if they don't believe in it, they don't really mm-hmm. care uh, or think it's valuable, then it's not going to happen, right? Because you're actually asking people to think differently, to use new ways That's of right. doing business. And right. until you have leadership bought into it and that they see the bottom line, then people are going to do what they do and do the things that they're rewarded for. And if they're not rewarded for, you know, looking at new tools, looking at new processes, looking at, you know, are we, you know, sending 500 emails to people that don't really need to be on that chain of command, then, you know, you're going to have people doing things the same old way. And so it's, I really think at the end of the day, all these things come down to a leadership issue. And then Dr. Natalie, I... I mean, you couldn't look at agree a more. Like Apple's they grew from one, you know, zero to a billion dollars in ten years because the leadership decided that they were going to change how they did business. Dr. Natalie, we're going to come back with your case study. I love it when you mention Zappos. We are at the halfway mark. What a great, lively conversation. I'm so happy that we are doing a social collaboration here on In the Cloud Radio with Dr. Natalie Brent, Leary, Heather Davis, Samir Patel. Everybody has something great to say. You won't want to miss the second half. We're going to take a break. Don't even think of touching that mouse. We'll be right back. Take it away, Justin. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. 
Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. Okay, we're talking about social business, collaboration, social enterprise, all those wonderful S-words. Want to draw, dive a little deeper, dig a little deeper into the concept of leadership. Whose idea does it get to be, especially in a small business startup entrepreneur? Brent Leary, we voted on the break that Brent is our small business guy. So small business guy, Brent Leary, CRM industry analyst with the huge business card. Brent, how does a small, you talk to a lot of small businesses all the time on your radio show and all of your, your social expeditions and exercises. What are they saying? What do they ask you about social? Tell us. Well, you know, what's really fascinating about the small businesses, particularly the ones that are a little more savvier in this area, is that they're, they're looking at this as a competitive advantage, a way that they can uh, find and grill customer experiences that will connect them with customers for a longer extended period of time to build those kind of long-lasting relationships. They're actually looking at this in terms of creating business models to match the kind of customer experiences that they they know that their customers and target audiences are really looking for. So they're looking at every way possible to leverage the cloud to allow them to do these things quickly, uh, to be immediate with it, to be quick with it, to be agile with it. And mm-hmm. they're really putting together a platform that is so flexible that allows them to keep up and in some ways predict the needs and wants of their customers or their targeted audiences. So I think these guys, if you look at some small businesses that are, they're the ones that are fast moving, fast adopting, and Mm -hmm. really pushing the envelope and looking at how they can leverage the cloud from so many different aspects. That's why I think if you want to look at the best ways or the, the ways to get some ideas, look at some of the smaller companies because they're able to move quickly with a lot of this stuff. Brent, are we allowed to say that they're having fun with this? Is that acceptable in the business context, or is that a bad don't, thing? Don't tell Samir that, but, yeah, they're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're definitely having fun because it's allowing them to really engage customers in ways they never have been able to do before, especially startups, because a lot of times what they find is as they get u- utilizing some of these services that they reach customers almost accidentally because they're not the customers know what they want, Sometimes the companies don't know exactly what the customer wants, but as they start to engage and leverage the cloud and start to push a message and start to listen, they find out and customers find out these guys are there. Sometimes they're not even talking the same language. They're not in the same geography. But mm-hmm. the problem is, is being uh, – the, the answer to the problem is being put out there on the web. And as Samir said, these folks are looking. They're trying to find answers to challenges 
And so when they're able to find it, they're going to gravitate towards it, and they're going to try to make that company a long-time partner. So they're going to try as, as much as possible to help that company stay in business because they know that company can help them stay in business. There yeah, you go. Hey, Brent, Brent, yeah, Brent. Go Brent, ahead, that Samir. Was, please. That was awesome. No, no, I said Brent's absolutely right. And I think <laughs> the way I would characterize that is, is it's it's scale for a, for an SMB, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The kind of scale that they need, uh, that they can't afford, and that their economics don't even allow, right? Um, this is uh, this is something that allows them to get very close to the largest possible set of prospects, depending on the industry, of course. Uh, and, and, and break through what have otherwise been very expensive, uh, barriers to be able to start to get their arms around customer research, customer data, all of that. And so it really does level the playing field for a lot of companies, at least the, 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 the ability for a very small company, the difference between a very small company and say a small company or a medium sized company, those that are competing mm-hmm. with, that are slightly bigger with them, you start to flatten that. And I think that's a really, really powerful change from how things have been in the past. And talking about social, I have to say we have a couple of tweets going on here. We have to say thank you to Malcolm, who is always tweeting my my guest evangelist and co-producer here. Samir, can I read your quote, your tweet? (laughs) Samir (laughs) says, trying really hard to disagree with Brent Leary, but can't find an opening on Pound Sign SAP rating. Don't worry, you're coming after this is off. And listen, we have a tweet from Greg Chase, who helps us with our guest list as well. And Greg says, on the culture change and social enterprise, I haven't heard it discussed yet on the show how Gen X and Millennials fit into the old command and control culture. Ooh, Greg always asks such important questions. Who would like, who, who wants to take that one? I have a feeling Dr. Like Natalie's going to... Yeah, gonna, I mean, no, oh, go but, ahead. Samir, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, jump so in. I, yeah, I generally have a big problem with that whole line of thinking. Um, okay. I, I think there's enough, you know, I think anecdotally, and then there's enough studies to also prove that, you know, this notion of... Gen X just sort of not being with it as Gen Y who's going to demand this. I, I don't buy that at all. Okay. Um, I, I think that there's no question that Gen Y is more predisposed to using some of these new ways of things because they've grown up maybe in the Facebook world or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it is mind-boggling when you start to put useful tools in front of people that can get them to finish their, their day an hour early or get them to be you know 15% more productive for less amount of work, how quickly we start to change our habits. Um, so I think there's a bit of a distinction there uh, in terms of sort of like us just assuming that there's this massive generational divide that doesn't get social, you know, if it's done in a very contextual way, right, in the way that work gets done. Right. So I th- there's definitely some issues about, you know, you know, us sort of being like, you know, the, 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 the metaphors that Twitter affords is by default you're open and when you choose to be, you're closed, right? You know, everything mm-hmm. is done in public and when it's direct, you do a direct message versus uh, how it's been otherwise, which has been it's private, private, presidential, I choose to be public. So there's some of those behavioral changes, but I, you know, I would, I would not, you know, this is, this, for me, this is again goes into the culture thing. There's definitely some reality to it. There's definitely some mm-hmm. behavioral change, but we got to make sure we don't lay too much blame on, to, on those two things there. Okay. Um, I have a question about leadership. I want to know, we talked, Dr. Natalie talked about the old, as Greg said, command and control culture. Let's say that some members of a management leadership team, an MLT, come to the others and say, it's time for us to change. We need to collaborate. We need to listen to our customers. We need to listen to the good brain waves that are happening or the thoughts and the innovation that's happening right here on our home base, meaning our people, our culture, our employees, our consultants, perhaps. 
How do you bring that about so that it's least painful and most expeditiously effective in the organization to have that paradigm shift without just sitting everybody down in the auditorium and say, okay, as of tomorrow, you all have to spend 15 minutes talking to each other. We're going to record it and see if we have any great ideas here. <laughs> so how does that, how does that physically happen? Can anybody help me with that, that shift? Because there has to be a, a divide from the yes social to the no social over to the yes. How do we walk across that bridge today in a big company? Who wants to go with that? This is called Stump the Panel. <laughs> Natalie, you must be able to help me out here. Come on, give me a little a little thought here on, on leadership. Sure. So, Bonnie, I think that um, when I've been successful in leading change, and whether I've been a consultant or whether I've been an internal entrepreneur or internal change agent, generally what I've done to get attention or, or get executives to understand is to do some sort of back-of-the-envelope calculation. And so that example that I was talking about where they flew the engineers in versus, you know, you look at, at years past, right, and the rate of innovation, rate of, of new products, and then you compare that to a year where um, those those things, you know, are accelerated by 10x or 100x. And I think, you know, a lot of us, when we first started in social, whether you're looking at internal, external social interactions, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of proof points. And you may not have that data inside your organization, but there are now hundreds of case studies and hundreds of people who have been through this. And so one of the best things to do is, you know, I say put your go-back-to-school hat on and start mm-hmm. to see what other companies have done. And if you're the person who's being the change agent, you want to collect the stories. So social is a, is a storytelling medium, and one of the best uh-huh. ways to tell a change story is to show the examples of how other people have innovated their businesses, and not just like in the airy-fairy way, but looking at, you know, there's two buckets in business. You either increase revenue or you decrease cost. And so when you can tell the story at that level, then I think you're going to have the listening of the people who are in power and in terms of, of helping everyday employees, you know, they're going to feel like they're making a difference, that they're impacting things, um, that they don't feel so isolated. So I think if you look at every stakeholder and you look at what are they managing to, what are they measuring on, and then you can create that business case or that that kind of case study, I think there's a listening. I mean, that's been my success in the past is, uh, and I've been leading change for a long, 25 long years, time. right? Long time. And she admits it, too, right here on the air. Heather Davis, I know you have something to say about this. What have you observed in terms of getting it started, getting it to take a hold in an organization? Uh, you know, I think you mentioned earlier about the, the bottoms up. I, I have seen, you know, a lot of companies start with that grassroots effort. Uh, there's a lot of energy at the bottom, uh, and, and some of those Younger generation folks do have experience with Facebook, and they, they want to push it in that direction. Um, you know, and as I look at what I see from our customers, I think they have been leveraging uh, collaboration as a tool for operational efficiency, um, as I mentioned earlier. And But I think now they're moving more towards, um, you know, crowdsourcing and, and thinking together as a group and sharing best practices and 
um, preparing for client meetings and presentations and pulling in uh, folks into the collaboration world that may not have, have been there before. Okay, very good point. You know what? We're just about up against a break, and since you all like to talk a lot, I think I'm going <laughs> to skim about I'm skim about 20 seconds off this segment and put it onto the last parts. Justin, I hope you're listening to me. Justin's our engineer. We're going to skim 20 seconds and pop it on the last segment. The last segment, everybody knows what that is. It's called the crystal ball. I'm going to ask my guests to look ahead five years. You don't have to look ahead five years, five minutes, five weeks, five days, five months, five centuries, whatever, and tell me what will social business be like in your crystal ball. We're talking to Dr. Natalie. She doesn't need a last name. She's a rock star. We're talking to Brent Leary. He's a rock star and he needs two names. Heather Davis and Samir Patel, you're all rock stars to me. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is In the Cloud with Game Changers and we are changing the game today. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse. Justin, out. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. That's it, right? We are in the cloud, and I am talking to four very fine game changers today. And now it's time to look in the crystal ball in the cloud. We're going to look ahead five years to 2017, if that's where their crystal ball takes them. Let's start out with Dr. Natalie. What do you see for social business, Dr. Nat? I see uh, 20% of businesses that are currently in business going completely out of business. And I see the businesses that do adopt social business that become collaborative enterprises, increasing their workforce and their revenue and their profits by 100%. Call me crazy, but I just think if people are talking to people, whether it's customers or employees, it's got to be a good thing. That, those are fighting words, Dr. Natalie. You know, you're, you're being recorded for posterity here, my dear. This podcast is going to be available forever. It's going to be downloaded and clipped and put into videos and put on websites and blogs. So you, you're sure you want to go with those numbers? You know what? Let's double them. Let's bring it. Bring it. I, I love. I love. I love to push, Doctor Natalie. Ship. Go ahead. 
Give me the numbers again. Now, let's hear the double. I want that statement from your lips. I don't want to say it. So what are you saying? How many businesses will be out of business at what percent productivity? Okay, let's say 25% of the businesses that are currently here in five years will not be here. Okay. And the ones that do adopt will increase their revenue by 100%. I love it. Okay, let's turn to Brent Leary. What do you think? You can go with her numbers. You can do your own crystal ball. What do you see? I know you have a very unique perspective, Brent. You're really in touch at, at certain levels of this business population. So what do you think? Dr. Natalie is crazy. No, I just wanted to say <laughs> that. She told us to say that anyway. <laughs> hey, hey. To say that in there. Couldn't help I it. resemble that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, what I see in 2017 is, uh, we're going to be we're not even going to be talking about social business. It's just going to be business. It's like, do we talk about the the uh, you know the phone in any special way since we've kind of learned how to use it? It's just the phone. So I think mm-hmm. uh, social business is going to be in five years' time. It's going to be for for a good number of businesses. It's going to be business, and so I, I think we're just you're going to see a lot more uh, being being able to keep up with the customer and and hopefully really stay as connected with the customer and creating business models and infrastructures like the cloud that will really help us to stay in lockstep and a little a little more uh, understanding. And, and the three the three letters I, I talk about is air. This is what the cloud, you got to have some air, right? So mm-hmm. it's got to be around agility, immediacy, and reliability. And if, if companies are really looking to build models that uh, you take advantage of these tools to stay connected with customers, uh, it's going to be built around those three uh, the words. And it's going to be, going back to something we talked about earlier, it's going to be more than just the organizational culture. It's going to be processes. It's going to be uh, the uh, relationships that we have internally and externally. It's, it's just going to be business as usual. That's what social business is going to be in five years. Very good. I have a question for you. By collaborating, we started out with a massive quote from Dr. Natalie at the beginning of the show about some people are saying, hey, we're going to compete, but we're not going to talk to anybody. Go in your desk, stay in your cubicle, don't look left or right, and don't talk to anybody. If you start talking to, listening to, and encouraging your own people, especially in a big enterprise, to talk to you about what's happening. They all happen to be consumers one way or the other, and perhaps you're in a consumer product or service business. Isn't that a good way to tap into not just externally social, but internally social, what people really want and where the company should go? Is that an opportunity that that might be missed if you don't talk to them, Brent? I'll I'll say this. I I would say... You don't even. It's great to encourage them. I think it's important to encourage them, but just don't get in their way. <laughs> you ah, to stay out of their way. Let them. Ah. Like you said, we're all customers. We're all consumers. Yes. So we bring a lot of our behaviors, activities, and and expectations of a consumer. If you let that come in to your professional life, and, and the company doesn't get in the way too much, it'll be such a, a smoother transition. And and like I said, social business will be business as usual if those things happen. Let's hope they do. Thank you. Thanks for letting me me ask you that question. Heather Davis, Crystal Ball, what do you see? Well, Brent stole my thunder a little bit because I was going to bring up the <laughs> cell phone also. And uh, I think um, 
social say media. Say it again. Say it again. It'll be different. It'll be different if you talk about it. Well, and I, I think it's you know how we used to think about cell phones, and and when those came out, um, we were actually laughing in the office the other day, and obviously in the business of, of placing consultants. And back in my days at Anderson Consulting, we would sit at our desk and wait for the te- the landline telephone to ring and tell us where we need to be and, and what time and who to ask for. And That's you right. went on the plane and you got there and there was something changed in the meantime. You still showed up where you were supposed to. And uh, I think that this whole, the social enterprise, it will be so mainstream and, and collaboration will be such a part of everything that we do that, you know, those that aren't adopting that are, are clearly going to be left behind. Okay, thank you very much. Good prediction. Left behind, you don't want to be. That's why everybody's listening to us. Samir Patel, I know you have something amazing in that crystal ball. What do you see? Yeah, so I, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big subscriber to the left behind theory. I think, I think we will, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a whole, uh, in, in the, in the life cycle of invention around sort of, you know, or innovation around social, right, the capabilities that we're creating in the market today as, you know, everybody on this phone call and, you know, is, is sort of is pretty close to the the state of innovation. Uh, you know, I, I do think that what will actually happen is, is we'll start to see, uh, and not will start, we're already starting to see this is happening already by a lot of the well-known names uh, in the social software landscape is, you know, in the last year or so you're starting to see, uh, a pretty concerted efforts towards starting to understand what Brent was talking about, which is, you know, what is that balance between process and social? And exactly to Brent's point where, uh, and again, see, I'm agreeing with him. I'm really pissing me off. <laughs> We'd have but, just recorded, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this is in stone here. This but could continue to we're getting to is, is we're going to start to see a much more palatable version of social that's going to emerge in the market, right? And where... Uh, the distance between sort of, you know, waving a shiny object in front of somebody who is running a business, staying up at night because they've got core, you know, I got to get, you know, leads into the door, I got to close business, I got to build product mm-hmm. and ship it out the door. The kinds of social solutions that will, will, uh, will emerge will start to appeal to those kinds of people. And so, you know, the ability and the willingness for a lot of the companies that look at it today and are, you know, just, it just looks far too playful for them, meaning they don't, they don't, they don't say don't do it because a lot of it is free. Uh, you know, they're not really looking at it as a core element of their business will begin to do it. And I think we will start to see that shift happen. The, one of the beautiful things about the cloud is, is that as we are, as companies are now starting to look at cloud alternatives for their solutions or looking at, cl- at you know, models where it's a hybrid and they use some things on the cloud or add-ons in the cloud, whichever way they go, a lot of the stuff is going to come with it, and but it'll be it'll come in the context of process, and you will and without even knowing it, they'll begin to you know morph into this world. Um, one of the most compelling things about social actually is not the internal stuff; it's really the changing expectation of today's prospect and customer, and it, mm-hmm. and every company over time will begin to understand how they need to be wired internally to support this extremely knowledgeable customer. The tools will get better for them to connect, and most of them will jump over is my, is my prediction. Wonderful. And I'm going to ask a quick question of Samir, and if we have time, we'll make it a bonus round. But I have a lot to say before we close. Samir, social business, will we still be calling it that label in five years? Will we just take it for granted? Will it be called something else, or we won't call yeah. it anything? I don't call it social business today. I think it's actually causes a problem for the industry, and I definitely don't think we'll be doing it then. Well, what will we call it? Just talking yeah, to just people, be, collaborating? I mean, yeah, we don't have a way of business. I mean, it used to be e-business and e-commerce, and it just became business. Mm-hmm. The same thing will happen. 
Okay, I like it. Now it's time for me to do some predictions, and mine are easy because I wrote them down. We're <laughs> going to talk about what's coming up next week here on In the Cloud with Game Changers, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's where I am. Thursday, July 19th. Is the cloud for large or small enterprise or both? Big question. We will try to solve that. Thursday, July 26th. Integrating the various clouds, the perfect storm. Love that phrase. And you know we have another series here on the Business Channel called Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yep. Wednesdays, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern. Next Wednesday, July 18th, open government. Is it a game changer yet? And how good a thing will it really be if it ever happens? And July 25th, retailers, we love to love part two. All the way back from February 15th, day after Valentine's Day, we have a lot more to say. Some shout-outs. Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Malcolm Kimberlin, Greg Chase, and the Business Channel team, thank you for your support. And a big shout-out to my four very, very lively and energetic and very social and sociable guests. We have Dr. Natalie, we have Brent Leary, we have Heather Davis, and some Patel. It has been a delight and a privilege to welcome you to In the Cloud. I hope you'll come back and see me soon. Everybody go out and make it a game changer week in the cloud or wherever you are. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanks for joining us. And Justin, out. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you again for being part of In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Please join Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. And be sure to tune in to our other program, Coffee Break with Game Changers, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, also on the Business Channel. Between shows, visit us at www.sapgamechangersradio.com.